Hi friends, welcome to another edition of the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability Podcast Series. And we are so excited today to have with us uh, Lauren Tucker. Hi, Lauren. Hi. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. And Lauren is the Executive Director of Kiss the Ground, which uh, we'll be talking about um, in today's discussion. And um, prior to becoming the Executive Director at Kiss the Ground, Lauren uh, grew up in West Virginia, uh, where she says she was surrounded by natural beauty and conventional corn and, and soy fields, and says that at an early age, she realized uh, that humans seem to be becoming uh, disconnected from the land and that that's one of the things affecting our society that we can hopefully change and overcome. Uh, her passion for earth and humanity developed from there and uh, she graduated from American University uh, with a degree in psychology and international studies and then spent several months studying uh, abroad and volunteering throughout Africa and uh, ended up writing her thesis on the ineffectiveness of US food aid in Ethiopia, North Korea, and Malawi. And uh, after all of that, uh, she also uh, helped to develop a nonprofit called Greenlight New Orleans. Uh, this was in response to the incredible devastation of uh, Katrina. And uh, Lauren is a mother, a thought leader, certified in permaculture design, and uh, is also tr a trained therapist for autistic children, which is really interesting. And Lauren, I just want to welcome you and uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me. So let's dive right in and uh, talk about Kiss the Ground. And uh, you guys are doing such amazing work helping people and communities deepen relationship with soil and really understanding how essential soil is to everything we're doing. Um, and could you tell us what it is about Kiss the Ground that is, that is really helping deliver a unique message and experience in that regard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our mission statement is inspiring participation in the regeneration of the planet, starting with soil. And um, the inspiring participation piece is very specific and important to what we do because essentially we started as a group of friends in Ryland Englehart's living room. He's a owner manager of Cafe Gratitude. Um, it's his family business. It's an organic vegan restaurant chain in California. And five years ago we sat in his living room as a group of friends gathered because Rylan got super, super inspired about soil carbon sequestration. And we sat there and we're like, what the whole world needs to know why agriculture has and how agriculture has um, put carbon in the atmosphere and actually has been a big emitter. Um, and then how the way we eat can draw carbon back down into the soil and help us balance our carbon cycle and global warming and so many of the issues we face today. Um, and so we got super inspired and we realized that the science exists, the innovative farmers exist, that capital exists, that investment and money exists, that there are companies that are willing to work on this issue and that really the missing piece was inspiration and education. And so we've 
really focus everything we do on how people can easily participate. So we have an education program, a middle school um, curriculum. We have, we do a lot of online digital media. So videography and infographics. We've been working on a documentary with friends. And um, then we have a, a farmer training program, a scholarship fund for farmers. And we also uh, have a business education program. And everything we're doing is around that, like how, how can we make it easier for people to participate in the regeneration of our planet? That's so wonderful. I, I really love and appreciate how your work is touching on so many different sectors and, and really helping to connect dots among different uh, modalities and different uh, segments of our society. It seems that that's such an important aspect of this kind of work. Yeah, well, when you get into it, um, you realize that a lot of our issues environmentally or societally, they're, they come from this like problem-solution mindset. And so there's something wrong. How do, how do we solve it? Or um, like I have a stomach ache, I go to the stomach doctor or, you know, my shoulder hurts, I go to a doctor that deals with that. Um, but really, we need to be looking holistically at our bodies or our planet. Um, and so, yeah, once we really get into it, we realize that we couldn't just focus on one piece. There are multiple pieces that we want to push forward at the same time. Absolutely. Wow. So maybe you could help walk us through, uh, just for some of our listeners and audience who may not be as familiar with uh, the really important ways in which agriculture on the one hand can be a significant emitter of greenhouse gases and agriculture, regenerative agriculture on the other hand is actually one of the big strategies we have at multiple scales to uh, sequester carbon and help with uh, climate stabilization. Can you just walk us through that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, there is a lot of carbon in our soils, or there used to be. <laughs> and um, carbon's great. We're made of carbon. Um, stars are made of carbon. Like, animals are made of carbon. Plants. There's so many trees. There's so many cool things in our lives that are made of carbon. And I feel like in the climate change debate, we demonize carbon a lot. Um, carbon emissions are bad. But essentially, when we practice modern agriculture every time we till so every time we run a plow across a field um, or every time we harvest every time we plant something and harvest we're emitting carbon dioxide we're losing carbon from our soils and yeah we've really we've looked at factories and we've looked at cars because i think that makes a little more sense like there's something coming out of my tailpipe that includes carbon dioxide, that goes into the atmosphere. That's easy to understand. But I think we're a little farther removed from when we apply a synthetic fertilizer, that that was produced from some sort of synthetic oil somewhere in a factory and then it was shipped. Or that that farm, before they applied their fertilizer, they tilled the soil. Um, we're removed from those things. So we don't think about agriculture's intimate relationship to releasing carbon. Um, and then the good news is, is that plants breathe carbon. So we breathe oxygen and we exhale carbon.
carbon dioxide and plants, trees, and you know, any other plant, they actually breathe in carbon dioxide and exhale oxygen. It's kind of basic science that we learned in elementary school. Um, but the part we might not remember is that that carbon actually gets pushed down to the roots of the plant. And when soils are healthy, when there are diverse microbes and fungi and all these living, eating microorganisms that you can only see with a microscope, when soils are healthy, that carbon can get stored. Um, and so there are ways that we can farm which really improve our soil life. They're very simple. Um, a lot of them include not tilling, always keeping the the soil covered with living plant material and then when plants die to just let some of their stubble stay in the ground so keep that root in the ground as long as possible and then integrating animals and trees and annual crops which are those crops that we harvest year after year um, and then not using pesticides and and things that would kill that soil life so they're actually really basic principles but there's now this growing movement around how do we farm with carbon in mind instead of nitrogen or some other element that that really leads to plant growth in mind absolutely interesting well you know one of the things that strikes me as you're as you're describing this um is that you know less than two percent of us in our society at this point are directly engaged in uh agriculture um, mm -hmm. as, as a profession. Um, of course, many of us garden, many of us grow plants in our homes, in our yards, in our neighborhoods. But um, it strikes me that although most of us are not directly engaged in growing food as a profession, we all eat, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there is so much incredible opportunity truly to, uh, make our food choices around uh, soil stewardship and regeneration of ecosystems. And I'm struck that Kiss the Ground, one of the things you guys are, are doing a great job of is helping to educate us around uh, ways in which we can make really good food choices uh, that are supporting the type of agriculture you're describing that is good for the carbon cycle. And of course, that means also indirectly, it's probably much healthier for us and, and healthier for all the people involved in that uh, farming activity and what goes on in that whole value chain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're actually coming out with a purchasing guide. Hopefully it'll be out by the time you publish this. <laughs> um, and it goes through how to think about our purchasing choices because essentially very few of us are farmers or land stewards, but all of us eat all day, every day. <laughs> um, I think it was, it's a Wendell Berry quote where he says, eating is an agricultural act. Yeah. So we all participate in that, that food system. I love that. Well, tell us a little about the guide that you're putting together. What, what can people expect to find in that? Mm -hmm. um, we found that it was very hard to publish specifics. Um, so it's not going to be a product list and it's not going to be purchase this, like purchase broccoli, don't purchase kale. It's not going to say something like that. It instead goes through types of food. So when you're purchasing animals, these are the things you want to think about. Um, essentially the, the biggest recommendation and 
it's so basic and we hear it all the time and we're kind of bored of hearing it is get to know your farmer but really that's one of the best ways to do it it's either get to know your farmer or get to know the brand that you purchase from because there are innovative brands who are really um, thinking about how they source and are supporting uh, farmers who are building healthy soils and so you know kind of the number one tenant is do your research um, and it sounds terrible and boring but I personally have been shopping at the farmers market in my neighborhood for the last um, I think I'm six years into every Sunday and it's an amazing experience and not only do I know some of the farmers or the people who work the stands um, and it's you know a cool social family fun activity but I've started to visit their farms and really understand like where does my food come from and it's amazing and I think that that investigation has to be done in community with friends um, it's hard to go at these things alone uh, but when you get friends together and you say you know what just kind of like a book club like let's figure out where the food in our neighborhood comes from and you know let's take all our kids to the farm this weekend and oh, do we like the way that chicken is in a cage no that doesn't feel good maybe we're not gonna buy eggs from here oh that chicken looks pretty happy um, there's certainly many details to farming and as a consumer it's hard to fully know when you visit a farm but there are some things that are pretty intuitive like okay that that chicken looks pretty happy we're like that chicken does not <laughs> so so yeah, there's a lot of thinking in the guide of how to start thinking about these things and then we break it down by food group. Well, it's so exciting. I, I think guidelines can be so helpful for folks and uh, I can really relate to this. Um, in, the, in the book, Why on Earth, I wrote about uh, the idea of growing, knowing and showing when it comes to food. So growing some of our own food, um, certainly knowing uh, the farmers, that are producing some of our food in our area. And then when we're buying food, as you're saying, from folks we don't know, uh, going to those, those labels, those third-party certifications that are helping to show um, and verify what practices are, are being used in those various supply chains and value chains. And uh, just the other day, I was at our farmer's market picking up some uh, produce from my good friend Mark Gutridge who uh, has Olin Farms and is just an amazing uh, soil steward and he was telling me this really cool story about an event he had just had maybe about a week week and a half ago where a corporation in the area wanted instead of having a regular sort of office party um, to commemorate uh, an event for the employees and staff they mm -hmm. went to the farm and uh, the Folks had the opportunity to go out into the fields to pick peppers and beans. And then after uh, time getting their hands in the soil, uh, which of course has incredible benefits, they all shared a beautiful uh, community dinner right there on the farm together. And, and my goodness, what was really striking about all hearing all of that from Mark was that the executives of that company said it was the most effective uh, company experience that they've given their employees hands down. And um, I, I'm struck that there perhaps is, is some wisdom there, uh, some opportunity there that many more of us engage in the corporate world uh, can 
really enhance uh, what's going on with our teams, what's going on with our organizations with these simple ways of, of connecting the soil. Yeah, and we've built long supply chains for efficiency, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, or the way we've created the system is that a lot of farmers, you know, if you grow grain, it's going into a big silo and then that's getting sold to someone and then it's getting sold to someone else and then it's getting sold on the commodity market. So a big company might not even know, or it's very likely that they, they can't actually trace food back to the farm. But now that we're starting to understand the environmental impacts of farming, whether they're negative or positive, um, the innovative companies are starting to say, you know what, we're committed to not purchasing in this way. And yeah, for a while it's gonna be more expensive, but the environmental commitment is so strong that we have to do it. And so it's, it's cutting down those barriers. Um, yeah, uh, Ryland's father, who's one of the founders of Cafe Gratitude and a farmer in Northern California, I love this visualization, but he always says, at the end of the day, I don't want to purchase my food from a certification. I want the handshake of the farmer to be my you know, validity that the food I'm eating is good for me. And I think that we've, we've created an efficient you know, global system. I can get anything delivered to my doorstep essentially in a couple of hours. Um, and there are some beautiful efficiencies and conveniences to that but what we've lost is that chain of custody or that understanding of where things are actually coming from and so I think that as communities we need to to start investigating and start yeah it's it's so silly but it's like know your farmer purchase local <laughs> it's really that simple we've been hearing it for years but it's true it's it's what we need to to move towards I love it. Well, there, and there's so much opportunity to strengthen that that local and regional fabric in, in communities all throughout our society. And, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing more and more uh, uh, really thoughtful and intelligent companies doing is, is purchasing uh, CSA shares from local farmers, community supported agriculture as a way to enhance the, the benefits and perks for their employees, while also deepening those connections to local farmers. It's one of those win-win-win situations that ultimately does not cost the company very much at all in the scheme of their overall uh, HR benefits and so on. And my, my hope, Lauren, is we're going to see a whole lot more of that in the next few years. Yeah, I think we have to, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the cool thing about starting to investigate your local food system is often you uncover foods that you've never heard of. Like I live in LA and so I'm really part of the, the surrounding food shed and Santa Barbara is included in that. And just tonight we're, we're hosting an event and someone brought dry farmed prickly pear. Um, it's like a tequila and it's made from Santa Barbara. And here it's like something that grows in this area. It's in my quote unquote food shed and it's amazing. <laughs> like, wow. It's so cool, right? And yeah. and there are so many examples of interesting, amazing, phenomenal foods that you discover when you go on these journeys. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to uh, take the opportunity uh, just to to remind our audience and listeners that this is the uh, Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability Podcast Series and. 
Today, we are visiting with Lauren Tucker, the executive director of Kiss the Ground. And uh, for folks who are interested in uh, taking a look at the purchasing guide that Kiss the Ground is providing, uh, you can find that at kissetheground.com. And uh, there is also a free curriculum available there um, that I'll ask Lauren to tell us about in just a minute. Uh, Kiss the Ground on social media is also found um, at Kiss the Ground Instagram and then at Kiss the Ground CA for Facebook, uh, Twitter, and on YouTube. And uh, with respect to why on earth, for our uh, listeners and audience, we want to make sure you're aware that we have a special uh, deal for you where if you go to the whyonearth.org slash market, uh, to our marketplace, you can get copies of the ebooks and or the uh, audiobook version of Why on Earth at a discount uh, using the podcast. So we want to make sure you know about that and take advantage of that if you're interested. And um, so Lauren, let me uh, shift from the purchasing guide to the curriculum. Can you tell us a, a bit about uh, what, what you guys have put into the curriculum and what, what folks can find there? Sure. Yeah, so one of the first things we did is an organization was create a four minute video and it sounds super simple, but it actually um, was a large collaboration with many, many people and it took a year and a half. Um, and that video is called the soil story and it explains the carbon cycle. So what I was sharing earlier about how plants breathe and how carbon moves and why um, scientists are so excited about farming as a way to draw carbon out of the atmosphere. So that, that four minute piece, um, we looked at it and said, wow, this would be amazing if we could build a curriculum around this so that not only could we share this video with students, but we could share meaningful curriculum. Um, and so we created a partnership with Life Lab. They're an amazing uh, gardening education nonprofit that writes curriculum. They're out of Santa Cruz, California. And um, we teamed up for the last year and a half and created that curriculum. So it was tested in the fall. Uh, with middle school teachers. It's meant for middle school age because that's when you learn photosynthesis. Uh, so we tested it, got a lot of feedback, revised it, and now have released it. It's free downloadable on our website. And um, it's five lessons. So it matches all of the science, uh, national US science standards and um, it's meant as a supplemental curriculum. So when you're teaching to the core standards, you could add in one lesson, you could add two, three, four, or even five. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting. I'm hoping that everyone takes a look at it and passes it along to their local school district or teachers in their area or nonprofits that are already working in schools. That's excellent. So uh, to recap, what can the, the teachers and the students uh, experience using this curriculum that they, they wouldn't uh, normally experience with their standard curriculum? Yeah, so when you're learning photosynthesis, it then teaches about um, the carbon cycle, it teaches about soil microbiology, so what's in the soil, it's alive, you know, what is it made of? Um, and then it goes on to talk about this really exciting opportunity of regenerative agriculture and um, what that means. And then it goes a little into food choices and purchasing. And then the final lesson is an invitation for schools to take on a project that's appropriate for them because regeneration is always gonna be place-based. So it's always gonna make sense 
for your community to do what's needed and necessary in your place. And every place is so different. Um, and so there are guidelines about how to do a community project, but it's really um, up to the school to decide what they want to do with it. That sounds great. It sounds great. One of the things I absolutely love whenever we're doing uh, soil related workshops or even ceremonies, and, and we had the opportunity to share one of these ceremonies with you and your team uh, out in Venice uh, this summer. Um, what, one of the things that really strikes me is as, as we're getting into soil, as we're learning about soil, we're actually learning about what it means to be human on this planet. And I'm so struck that our word uh, human actually comes from that same root as our word humus, right? Soil. Um, along with humor and humility, some things that uh, seem to go together quite well. And uh, to me, you know, there's such a beautiful aspect of learning about soil and all its complexities. When we hold a handful of living soil, of course, we are holding billions of microorganisms and uh, in this day of social media, when we talk about uh, making friends and new friends, I love telling folks, hey, you can make several billion new friends right now. And, uh, you know, there's something that really kind of goes beyond just the science and the way we normally think about science and really gets into perhaps even more spiritual or psychological aspects of, of what it means to be human. And I'm, I'm just wondering, Lauren, if that's something that uh, you encounter a lot in, in the work that you're doing. Yeah, um, we've definitely had this conversation. I, I feel really inspired by the opportunity of soil carbon sequestration on a mass global level. And the science is real. And there are major food brands that are looking at how they innovate their supply chains. And all of that work is very inspirational. But I feel like at the end of the day, like, would I rather watch a PowerPoint presentation about the science or would I rather touch and feel soil and like host the ceremony around it? And for me personally, there's, there's something more um, exciting and, and tangible and beautiful and spiritual around actually working with soil. And there's this theory I have that I'd love to test at some point. Maybe we should do a, a series of videos on it but that we're, I really believe that we're born as humans with the ability to um, differentiate between healthy and non-healthy soil. And I, I really think that if you give someone who even lives in the soil to, or in the city, two different handfuls of soil, like one that's highly degraded and one that's teeming with microbes and you smell them, like we have this connection that's amazing when you smell that like good um, micro-ridden soil, you can tell. You're like, yeah, this, this one looks, feels, like smells a lot better. And so I think that we're much more connected to our environment than we actually believe we are. And it just takes being in spaces where we can revive that connection or where we can trust ourselves that that connection exists. Um, so yeah, the science is real and you could, you know, think about it only in that way. But I really think there's a spiritual um, part of caring for the planet. And I actually think that it's our, um, it's what we're meant to do as humans. But 
we're dependent on plants and animals, but they can be dependent on us in how we care for the spaces that we collectively share. And so I'm really hoping that in the future we usher in this new understanding of instead of humans are, you know, it's like do less bad, like bike more, uh, don't do that, recycle. <laughs> like they're all kind of do less bad environmental ideas um, that we could really flip that to humans can participate more. Let's regenerate this planet. Let's work with soil microbiology. Let's figure out how animals and plants and humans all thrive together. Like we can do that. We can totally be stewards. And that's exciting to me. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I, I am aware that in many of our uh, traditions worldwide, our indigenous traditions, we have uh, deep ecological understandings of different uh, creatures, different critters roles in an ecosystem, right? So coyote has its role, beaver has its role, ladybug has its role and so on. And, and the humans, there's sort of a joke. The humans, it's like, well, what's our role? And exactly to the point you're making, our role is to be stewards of these places. And we have so much incredible opportunity. And I, I'm really, really excited. I have to say, I'm so excited uh, thinking about what I believe is going to be happening over the next few years uh, in landscapes all over, and particularly urban landscapes, uh, where often these are concrete jungles, you know, lots of glass and steel, extreme heat temperatures, often extreme uh, aridity uh, in certain uh, urban environments, really tough places for critters to thrive, including ourselves. And we know increasingly through the science that A, you know, getting our hands connecting physically with soil increases serotonin production, reduces stress hormones, seeing living uh, green plants does similar things for our neurobiochemistry. And my gosh, we have this opportunity to get really smart about these spaces and environments in which we are living and working and playing. And, and I just love what you guys have done out there in LA on your, on your campus ground, uh, that beautiful garden area with those great compost bins where we were able to uh, hang out and do that ceremony not long ago. And what a, what a wonderful oasis. And wouldn't it be fabulous to see that kind of uh, connection to place just expanding throughout our cities? Yeah, that's been a really wonderful community project. We started it at the very beginning uh, over four years ago, and we found a piece of uh, city-owned property in Venice, California. It's owned by City of LA, and um, there are the two front lawns of two very historic buildings that used to be when Venice was its own city instead of part of LA proper. Uh, it used to be the police station and the courthouse. And then when Venice became part of LA, those two buildings became obsolete and now they're long-term leased by two arts nonprofits. So a poetry nonprofit has one and, um, uh, like a public art mural painting telling un untold history through mural painting nonprofit has the other. And for years, like 20 years, they had a dead dying lawn that is, it spans an entire city block. And so we approached them and we approached the city and we said, Hey, look, can we grow food here and donate it to homeless? And can we teach here? And can we revitalize the, this piece of land? And when we started 
it, you couldn't put a shovel in the ground. It was so hard. There, the only thing there was some like really, really invasive grass um, mm. that only grew when it rains, if it ever rains. And now, you know, there's thriving fruit trees, there's raised garden beds, there's worms, there's birds, there's squirrels, like there's so much life there. And um, we're actually about to give the project away to a community partner uh, who's able to, to really take it on fully and, and steward it into its next evolution of working and training homeless youth. But yeah, it's just been a, an amazing like community project of bringing people together. And we've had over the last four and a half years over I'd say well over 700 individuals come and volunteer uh, and dig in the dirt there and really help that space thrive. And so, yeah, it's totally possible. And some of the best soil on the planet is hidden underneath concrete <laughs> in cities. So dig it up. Right. <laughs> bust, uh, bust through the concrete. <laughs> yeah. And you can really feel it uh, visiting there. It's such an amazing space. Thanks. Yeah. Well, Lauren, it has been absolutely wonderful uh, having this time with you today. And um, before signing off, is I just want to ask, is there anything else you want to make sure to share with our audience and community? Yeah. Um, such a big question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we started as a group of friends in a living room. And now we're part of national and international coalitions that are forwarding regenerative agriculture and our work is starting to inspire brands and farmers and consumers and there's just something really special about we just decided to do it and all it takes is one inspiration inspiring the next person inspiring the next and so on and so I think in our society we have a lot of apathy and a lot of feelings of barriers that are actually invisible but there are a lot of invisible barriers all around us to changing the way things are and we're so used to saying or yeah just so used to complaining about our surroundings instead of doing something about it and um, so yeah just encouraging everyone to find their own peace in regenerating the planet whether it's doing art or becoming a scientist or a farmer or an advocate. There's something here for you. And yeah, you can totally do it. We can do this. Wonderful, love that. Absolutely, we can definitely do this. Well, great. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Aaron. And uh, hope to talk again soon. Sounds good. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.